Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. Father, we thank you today, Lord, that we are standing on what has been built from those who have gone before. And Lord, we won't forget that. We won't cancel that out. We'll learn from it, good and bad. We'll respect it. Even though we may not all agree, we may not all understand, but we can all respect and honour where honour is due. So thank you, Lord. Bless our nation. Bless, Lord, the Commonwealth, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may take your seats. Give these guys a great round of applause. The different days, you know, the, the, um, you know, the oh, COVID and all sorts of stuff. Um, it's exciting every week because you're faced with, with new challenges and, you know, <laughs> particularly running a church and you sort of, uh, you know, you get a phone call at uh, 7 a.m., uh, listen, can't make it, we're sick, and, you know, and you've got to, oh, we'll pull everything together, you know, but it's exciting, isn't it? It's exciting. Why? Because we're the church. And, you know, it's, it's, it's as was spoken this morning, it's, it's us together. Yes. It doesn't matter if we've got, you know, a three-piece orchestra or a, you know, trumpet, brass section. or what. It doesn't matter. We're here. Our hearts are for God. Our hearts are for one another. And um, it's so powerful. Did you enjoy the conference? Yes. How good was that? That was, uh, boy, that was... That was terrific. We really, um, we really uh, want to thank all those that contributed. So many uh, Highway Gilston folks up there, and uh, part of it, and uh, was us as a church as one, which I, you know, I really love that. And um, you know, we have been working through the Word of the Lord. Uh, we had a conference, and then we had Father's Day, and and now we're back on track to awaken the pioneering spirit within us through the book of Haggai. Who's been enjoying that? You've been enjoying that so far? It's, it's life-changing, you know. Um, and to recap a little bit, it's, it's where the people were allowed to return back to rebuild the temple. And you've got to think about it. These were exiles. These were people in captivity. They were conquered. They were dispersed. You know, and they were taken to a foreign land. They lived there for many years, and then they were given the opportunity to come back and to build the temple, the very centre, the very core of who they were as God's people. And uh, so that was a great opportunity. Like, like they must have been incredibly excited to be the generation. Think about it: the generation out of all of the generations, they were the ones chosen to build the temple. And they started with great enthusiasm and great energy. You know, you can imagine, uh, you know, just sort of like, okay, let's get it. What do we need? Let's build this, move that, shift that, whatever it takes. We're building the temple. And they built the foundation, but then they got distracted. Then they got distracted. And, and 14 years, the foundation laid in ruin. Quite a distraction, you'd say. 14 years. 
laid in ruin. But then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. And in chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, it says, Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paralleled houses, panelled houses, sorry, while the house of the Lord remains in ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. This was a wake-up call. After 14 years, after starting the mission, after starting so well, but then being distracted for so long. This was a wake-up call. This was a pivotal moment. This was a challenge to say, look, are you in or are you out? Are you the ones or have we got to find somebody else? You know, because obviously the job's not getting done, right? So if you don't want to do it, put your hand up and say, no, I'm out. Okay, off you go. But, you know, we need those who we're going to build. We need those who are fair income. We need those who are serious about what they believe to put their hand up in this hour. It was a wake-up call. Anne brought a profound uh, revelation in this season just a, a few months ago and um, that we have been living off the stored grain of harvests of past. And, I, you know, that has never left me. It's like, you know, who remembers 2019? You know, there was such a, such a great season, such a great time. You know, you want to go to America, uh, well, just jump on a plane. You know, you want to go to India, like just, yeah, just jump on a plane and, you know, make sure you take malaria tablets, pretty much it, you know. Um, but then, you know, 2020 hit and all that that was. And, you know, over the years, though, I think we've been living off the harvest of the past. And the wake-up call has come, the word of the Lord has come to, to challenge us to sow again. So it's time to sow again. We can't live off the old harvest anymore. We've got to sow for a new harvest. We've got to sow for, for what is ahead of us. And um, turn with me to Hosea chapter 10. Verse 12, I was reading, uh, you know, the Minor Prophets. As you know, just I had like six or seven weeks sick leave um, of late uh, after a couple of operations. And um, so I read a lot of the Word. Uh, I couldn't do much else. I couldn't drive. They wouldn't let me drive, so the road toll went down. Um, they wouldn't let me drive, and so I just, I just read the Word. I went through the Minor Prophets and the New Testament, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. Good for me, actually. But in, when I was reading Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, it says this, So righteousness for yourselves, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. I read that passage of scripture and I saw three things. Three things, three steps we have to take in sowing for a new harvest. The first one is to break up the unplowed ground in verse 12. We just read that, you know, to, to break up that unplowed ground. Now, this was a time, again, a different season, but a time when God's people had gone astray. 
They'd gone astray, and then the word of the Lord came, as he does, the faithfulness of God, to snap them back, to bring them back to where they should be, the people of God. And Hosea was giving them the way to return to the favour of the Lord. Who knows, when you step away from God, you step away from his favour. Still loves you, still died for you, still paid the price for you, but you know, life just doesn't get better when you step away from God. And so this was the nation at this point, and the prophet comes to bring that word. And he was using the example of the process that a farmer goes through to bring a new harvest. Right? It was using that as an analogy to, to, to bring understanding to it. And it all begins with getting out the plough and uh, lining up the oxen, putting the yoke, you know, yoking the oxen together, getting them in the harness, getting them on the plough, and then sticking that plough, that sharp pointy end, into the ground and starting to move forward and to break up that unploughed ground to break up that unploughed ground, ready to sow the seed. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus teaches in the parable of the sower. In Luke 8, 5, he said, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he scattered the seed, some fell on the path, it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Now, the reason that the path didn't produce a harvest was um, because it fell on hard ground. Because the ground was too hard for the seed to go in and to begin to germinate and to produce a harvest. It couldn't do it. And it was made hard, the path was made hard by the constant trampling of people. You know, if you ever, have you ever been anywhere, out in the bush anywhere, and you find a path? Everyone walks on the path. You don't trample through the scrub. You, there's the path. You walk on it. Why? Because it's safe. Everyone's walked on it before. And, you know, but what happens with that is, is it just gets harder and harder and harder and harder with the constant trampling of people over that. And as I, you know, I read that in Scripture and I realised why so many believers grow cold or become complacent. And the reason that happens is because when the fresh word comes, when the new seed is sown out into the, you know, out, out into the, uh, the, the harvest field, it falls upon, the revelation falls upon a hardened heart. And because that heart has got so hard, the new revelation can't get in, can't bring life, can't produce a harvest, can't bring a freshness and a newness and excitement about the things of God because it never gets an opportunity to penetrate and to germinate. Does that make sense? That's how it works. And that's what the prophet is saying here. He's saying, you know, uh, break up the, the unplowed ground. Break it up. Begin to do something to break it up. And all it takes for a heart to be hardened is that it gets trampled by a lot of things. Amen? By hurt. 
by disappointment, by offence, by unforgiveness. You know, you hang around people long enough, you're going to get a whole bunch of that. All right? Is that, that's true, isn't it? And so what happens is because we don't continually plough up that hard ground, it just gets harder and harder and harder. Every, all the trampling, all the offence, all the unforgiveness, all the disappointment, pounding that heart harder and harder until one day you've had no revelation for so long you think, you know what, I don't think God's real anymore. I just don't think he's real anymore. And the prophet is saying, Hosea, the prophet is coming and saying, come on, people, I know, I know what's happened. And, and, and let's face it, the disconnect of the last few years will even do that. doesn't have to be anything major. It just has to be a coal taken out of the fire and left on the side. It'll eventually just grow coal. And say, no, 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 come on, go back into the fire. Rekindle, refire afresh. Break up that unplanned ground. Do something to break up that, that hardened heart. And when the fresh word comes, it's received. You know, if you've ever been in a bad place and you've got a friend that's sort of not in your bad place and then they go to church and they come home and it's like, oh, fantastic, it was awesome, it was great. You're like, yeah. For you, for you, I got nothing out of that service. I got nothing out of that service. (laughs) Same seed. Same seed being scattered. It's not the seed, folks. Hello? It's not the seed. It's the heart. Amen? Does that make sense? Come on, we've all been there. Not picking on anyone. We've all been there. We've all let offence get to us. We've all walked into church and saw that family and started to pray immediately. We've all done that, let's be honest. You know, that's how it works. I've got to break up that unplowed ground. There's seed ready to germinate. There's revelation ready to excite you and to lift you and encourage you. Amen? Break up that unplowed ground. You know, I've I got to tell you, when I was, you know, doing this a few months ago and I reading over and over and over, I really challenged myself. Because over the last few years, um, it's been tough as a pastor, to be honest. It, it's been tough. You know, we had people leave that have been with me for 20 years and never said a word. People I married, people I, I dedicated their children, people I buried their relatives, gone. Never said a word. 20 years, 15 years, 25 years, and, and you've got to be thinking, you know? And I sat there in my chair and, and, and I was reading over and over and over the scripture. I said, yeah, I'm going to break up some, some, some unplayed ground. I'm going to shake up some hardened heart. You know, you can't be in the ministry without getting a hard heart. It, it's just part of the job. It's part of the job because you're dealing with people. It's part of the job. But, you know, we can't stay there. 
we can't stay there. And so I thought, all right, okay, I need to smash some stuff. And, and I started to dig. I started to turn it over, started to forgive and started to repent and, you know, all of those things that bring a softening into your heart. <coughs> Deliberate mindset to say no to the flesh. Because the flesh loves those conversations that you always win. You know those ones where you get to put your point of view, Right? You get to put your point of view, and it's brilliant. I mean, you've rehearsed it. You've gone over and over in your head so many times with that conversation, that discussion with that person. You've got it nailed, and it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And even after you do it in your head, you feel a little better because I think I, got, I, think I won that one. But sadly, it's, it's all within our own mind. Soften. Soften that hardened heart, ready to receive the seed. The next step in, in, in this passage of Scripture is it's time to seek the Lord. Yeah. It's time to seek the Lord. Verse 12, you know, it says there, to break up the unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. Time to seek the Lord. This was a, there's a huge difference between religious ritual and seeking the Lord. Now, you've got to understand this today. You've got to get a hold. It's a huge difference between religious ritual and seeking the Lord. See, the people of the day, in Hosea's day, you know, and also in Haggai's day, they all observed the seasons, the festivals. You know, they all observed the Sabbath. You know, they all, you know, the Passover. Yom Kippur, like every, every year, they all celebrated the seasons and all of the rituals. But all that was external. All that was something that they did. But seeking the Lord, that's internal. That's internal. And this was a, a personal decision that didn't focus upon what I do, but who I am. See, that's a whole other journey. Who I am. They were the people of God in name only. Think about that. What a challenge. People of God in name only. And God had a much bigger harvest for them. He had a much bigger harvest than they had reduced their world too. Yeah. Much bigger harvest. And we can relate this back to Luke chapter 8 where Jesus said, Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. And he explains it in verse 14. He said, The seed that fell among the thorn stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. And you know, I'm, I'm reading this passage of Scripture and I'm putting this message together, and, and I've got to tell you, it came to me, the greatest enemy, the greatest enemy to the believer today is spiritual immaturity. Spiritual immaturity. See, I'm not talking about knowledge. 
You say, well, I'm just a new believer. I only know a little bit of the scripture. I've only, I've only remembered three memory verses. Like, uh, no, no, no. doesn't matter how much you know. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, um, we're, actually, we're actually moving. We're, we're going to another church. We're looking for something deeper. We're looking for some, you know, stronger teaching out of the word of God, right? And, and I understand that. I understand that. But in my mind, I'm thinking... Yeah, but you're not living what you already know. Amen? There can be this deception that if I, if I know more, if I study more, if I could, and study's good, don't, don't, don't get me wrong, get into the Word of God. But there comes to a point where you have to actually apply it. Because when you begin to apply the Word of God, it attacks our flesh. It's contrary to the way we were trained, the way we were taught, the way we were brought up, the way our culture bombards us every moment of the day. The Word of God is contrary to that. And it will challenge us. And we have to get to a point where we go, you know what, Lord? Your, your Word prevails. Your Word prevails. And I'm going to apply that. I'm going to apply that. You can, you can have a, a, a doctrine in divinity and be the nastiest person on the planet. How does that work? You with me? So it's not about the religious ritual that we can all partake of and go through. It's about seeking the Lord so that we know him and he knows us. Greatest enemy to the believer today is spiritual immaturity. I've got to tell you, I've pastored for 30 years nearly now. And I can tell you that spiritual immaturity <clears throat> is a cancer in the body of Christ. Is a cancer in the body of Christ. I've seen good people, not bad people, good people, good people, love the Lord, attend church for decades, and then walk away. I'm like, well, how, how does that work? But you're in the house. You're in the house. But see, the heart doesn't change. God's in about changing our heart, amen, not into the rituals that we can be religiously performing. And, you know, it's a little unfair, I know, in my position because um, I go to India a lot and I talk to pastors that have their churches burned. I talk to pastors that are beaten, beaten, because they preached the gospel in a village, in a Hindu village. Some of them killed. I talk to their wives that are broken because they no longer have a husband or a father because he preached the gospel. That was his crime. I spoke to one man that, that this preacher used to come to his village and preach the gospel and he was a, a railway worker. He was 
not a tall man, but really solid, like a really strong guy. And he used to beat this pastor with a stick. He used to beat him. Like, and he said, every time you come back here to preach the gospel, I'll, I'll be waiting with my stick and I'll beat you. And the guy would come back again and he'd beat him. And the guy would come back again and he'd beat him. Until he got to a point where he said, why, why are you doing this? You know when you turn up, I'm going to beat you. And the pastor said, when you know Jesus, what else can you do? That guy got saved that day. He now is one of those pastors who pastors a church in the rural India, in the back blocks of India. You know, so I come across these people and I come across their stories and their testimonies and their, their, you know, they're laying down their life for the gospel. And I come back in church world as I do in a church our size and I get an email from someone who's, who's leaving the church because somebody sat in their seat. True story. Somebody sat in their seat. Are we missing something, church? <laughs> Are we missing something? I don't like that music. I don't like the lights. I don't like this. I don't like that. You know what? Can I be kind and as fatherly as a, an old pastor can be and say, with love, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about him. Amen? That's breaking up that hard heart. Nailing that flesh to the cross. I see people leave church all the time and, you know, it's like I shudder because I'm thinking, if God's called you and you've left... (laughs) And it might be a good offence, it might be a, you know, a, a, a relatively good reason or whatever, but you know, if God has called you and you leave, one day we've got to stand before the Lord. And he says, I called you to that place, why did you leave? Oh, well, you know, they, were, you know, they didn't like my little son Ichabod, they picked on little Icky. And Icky wasn't happy. And we, so we thought, no, we're going to another church. It's like, but I called you to that church. Yeah, well, I was offended. I got, I got offended. They talked about money too much. Talked about money too much in that church. I can just imagine Jesus standing there just, just doing this. Check out the holes, man. Now tell me your story again. You with me? Is that my hearing aids? Are they working? Or are you just quiet? <laughs> Come on, don't mess with me. It's my hearing aids or you. Hey. I'm not, I'm not being hard, okay? I've been through this for months. With me. With me. 
The more you seek the Lord, the more you realise that it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And I've got to tell you, folks, we're living in dangerous times. We have a society that wants to cancel the church right out. Cancel the church right out of extinction. Like, we have to be the church that rises up in this hour. Have to break up that unplowed ground, soften that hard heart, and seek the Lord in relationship, not ritual. Because I tell you what he wants to do, number three today, he wants to shower his righteousness on you. Shower his righteousness on you. See, this has been the the plan of God for every generation. That's his plan. It hasn't changed. He wants you to have the best life, the best marriage, the best opportunity. He wants to favour you, bless you. The only one that stops that is you. (laughs) It's that simple. You don't create something to destroy it. God didn't create mankind to make their life hell on earth. Does that make sense? You don't have kids, you know, to make their life absolute hell, do you? You don't. You say, come on, honey, let's, let's, let's have another child. I really want to mess someone up. <laughs> we don't do that. We want, we want children so we can bless them, so we can build something for the generations. We can build for our grandchildren. We can, you know, leave a legacy. Amen? What would be a good story? We all know plenty of bad stories. But we want to be a good story for our generations. Do whatever it takes to make that happen. If we go back to, to Luke 8 again in verse 8, it says, Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. That's God's harvest for you. That's God's harvest for you. What's the difference? Same seed. Same seed. It's the soil. It's good soil. Good soil. Verse 15, Jesus explains, but the, good, uh, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. What does that word persevering mean? It means that when I get offended, I deal with it. You know, when I think I should have got picked to be the singer up here, you know, which I probably could do, (laughs) you know, and they don't pick me, which they haven't, Hello. I've got to to accept that. I've got to deal with that. I've got to be honest and say, well, you know, I know you're terrific, Byron, but you may not be that terrific. And keep this soft. Don't harden it with the fence. That's what persevering is. Persevering, not, not, not... like the Monty Python and run away, run away, run away. <clears throat> Probably I'm speaking to an older generation. 
never seen Monty Python, which I don't recommend, by the way, but I was, I was young. They hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. If you want me to define the Christian life, this is it. I make a deliberate decision to break up the hardness of my heart so that when the word comes, I receive it and apply it to my life and the change it brings produces in me a better life. Doesn't mean my circumstances around me are going to be perfect. But me, in those circumstances, I've got this. Not a problem. I've dealt with me. It's all about the condition of the heart. Jesus said in, to his disciples in, in Matthew chapter 15, 17 to 18, he says, don't you see that what enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these defile them. So mud crabs are okay. My wife used to get into me because I used to love mud crab. I said, Byron, you can't eat that. that they clean the bottom of the ocean and they filter. No, they're good. <laughs> they're very good. So it's not the mud crabs you eat that's a problem. It's going to defile you. It's the gossip. It's the whinging. It's the constant never happy about any flippant thing. Amen? Well, of course, that's all about the heart. That's all about the heart, not, not the circumstances around us. Jesus was teaching the, the, the Pharisees that the ritual and routine of doing church will not change you. We've seen evidence of that, haven't we? We've seen evidence of that. The routine and ritual of doing church will not change you. There's no harvest in that. But to produce a harvest in your life, you must receive his word and apply it to your heart and make it your own. Then all of a sudden, as you change, okay, this is the hard work, as you change, all of a sudden, things change around you. The kids start to breed a sense of sanity. You know, things start to go just a little, just a little challenges, but, you know, things get better and better and better. So awaken that pining Pioneer spirit within you. It, it takes a waking. It takes a shaking. I was, I was, uh, I had an afternoon sleep the other Saturday, and you know, probably <laughs> flat out doing all, all the housework and everything Saturday morning, <laughs> um, the floors and washing and all that. And uh, and so I thought, look, you know, I'll just have a little rest. So I lay down, but while I'm while I'm in, you know, Snoresville, Tennessee, my little Montana, she's three. Montana and Hallie and Carly came over to visit and I was fast asleep. And then all of a sudden, Granddad! Granddad, get up! 
get up. And I'm like, oh, I, love, I love you, but get up, granddad. And she'll get on the bed and she'll jump on the bed and jump on the Come on, we need to play. Why? Because I'm her best friend. And so within five minutes of Dronesville, I'm playing hide and seek <laughs> with a kid who can't count. <laughs> and uh, I've got no chance, no chance of having to sleep. It's like, wake up, granddad. Amen? That's what God's saying to us today. Wake up, church. Wake up. Wake up. We're going we're gonna to play. We're going to have fun. You know, it's going to be awesome. Say yes to that journey that God has taken you on. And you, and you won't regret it. But you know what? You've got to break up. You, the thing about breaking up the, the unplowed ground, it takes movement. It takes movement. I don't care what level of movement. It takes movement. You know, um, I, I sprained my ankle probably on an annual basis for the last 50 years. So I'm a bit of a professional. And uh, they have this, uh, they have this uh, uh, acronym, is that what they call it? Um, it used to be RICE, R-I-C-E. Rest, ice, compression, elevation. Who knows what I'm talking about? You get a sprained ankle, that's what they used to tell you to do, you know? I knew it off by heart. And, uh, but they changed it a few years ago, just to mess with me. They changed it, and it was mice, M-I-C-E, which is movement, ice, compression, and elevation. Why? Because the movement gets the blood flowing, and the healing's in the blood. Amen? You, you get the blood flowing. You get, that's why they put the ice on. They put the ice on an injury. Right? Why? Because it, it freezes everything. Then when they take it away, the new blood rushes in. The new blood rushes in and brings healing. It's in the blood. You've got to have some movement. You know, that's why this religious ritual of church every Sunday is, is great, but you need movement. You need to do something that's going to break you out of the rut. You know, a rut is a coffin with the ends kicked out. You've heard that. That's what a rut is. So just religiously coming to church and all that will put you in a rut. You need movement. You need to do something to get the blood flowing. Stuff you don't normally do. I challenged the church the other week. I said, listen, you, you need spiritually, I know you're tired, but you need to give offerings. I said, give me two coffees a week. Sacrifice, fast, two coffees out of your week. How much is two coffees? About $30? We're not far from it, are we? Not far from it. And so I said, give an offering of two coffees a week. So, Lord, I'm not having that coffee this afternoon. Uh, Tuesday, Thursday, that's it. My afternoon coffees, no more. I'm going to sacrifice those for you to get the blood going, to get some movement, to do something that I don't normally do spiritually. Amen. Funny, in the offering, Steve told me that there's a few references to coffee, $30. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. I can feed hungry kids. 
I'll do that. Sponsor a child. Sponsor a child. Bring some life to somebody else. We are so good at looking after ourselves. Amen? Let's look after someone else. I mean, who outside our, our world, our, our little, our family, and our, our, do we actually bless or make a difference to? You know, I was at a coffee shop the other day at Pimpama, and uh, every time I see an Ambo, I go there to have coffee with my team and stuff like that. Every time I see an Ambo go to that till, I pay for it. I walk up behind them and say, listen, uh, whatever they're having, just put it on my card. Why? Because it gets the blood flowing. It gets the blood flowing. You know how many, how many times my life has been saved by Ambos? I could never pay that debt. And they are blessed. They can't believe it that someone would do that. Those, those people are heroes in my world. Amen? How, how people attack Ambos is beyond my comprehension. People who are trying to save your life, you attack them? I'd be like, okay, see ya. <laughs> I mean, they don't do that. They continue to try and save their life. Come on, get some movement. Break up some ground. Maybe there's someone you need to forgive. Maybe there's someone, come to Musos, come back. Maybe there's someone you need to forgive. Maybe, maybe you know, there's someone in this room that you need to deal with it. Amen? You need to deal with it. Why? Because it will do you good. Is it hard to do? Absolutely. That's why we don't do it. But we can't carry that. He said, take up your cross and then follow him. Is that good? Get our heart right. And then see the harvest that seed produces. Come on, let's stand to our feet this morning. <coughs> this would be a good <coughs> this would be a good opportunity. To get the blood flowing. To get the blood, to get some movement happening, to break up some some soil. Some hard ground. Some hard ground. And why don't we just take a moment in our own mind and do a bit of an inventory. Be honest before God. And we know we've got those things. We're all human. We carry those things. and They hurt us. They hurt us. They keep us small. They hold us back. They make us eat the grain out of the bin that's been there for last harvest because we got no grain from the new harvest. Take a moment, close our eyes, think about that situation, that circumstance. And begin to rise up on the inside. Begin to rise up on the inside and say, no, nah, I'm done with that. That's over. That doesn't exist in me anymore. 
I'm nailing that to the cross. That's a part of my flesh that's going to be nailed on that cross. I'm free of it. I'm free of it. You know what I had to do? I had to, you know those conversations I spoke to you about before? I had to stop those. Because it was a false reality even though I was winning. It was a false reality. What good did it do? Didn't do an ounce of good. Just kept my mind captured, imprisoned from offence to offence to offence to offence. No more. No more. Get the blood flowing. Every time that comes into my brain, out, out. Out, you're gone. I don't think about that anymore. Or that topic is not part of my conversation anymore. Amen? Be ruthless. Be ruthless. That, that, you know, I keep, that thing that happened, I keep talking to people about it and talking to people about it and talking about it. No more. Not a part of my conversation. Sorry. If you want to talk about that, your business. Not a part of my conversation. Amen? Oh, there's a freedom that comes with that. There's a freedom that comes with that. Amen? Father, as we stand here today, as I close this message, thank you. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you that you love us in all of our imperfections. And, but you know, in that, Lord, there's some good there too. There's some good in us. There's some good in us. There's some great things about us that you love us, that you're proud of us. And one of them is the courage to do what we know is right. You love that about us. You love it about us. So, Father, I pray right now, Lord, that each one of us, oh, boy, there's going to be lifting, 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 freedom, 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 blood flowing, bringing healing, bringing healing to every wound, disappointment, regret, offence. Right now, I pray. In Jesus' name. Come on, say it with me. Amen. 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 Come on, give the Lord a hand. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.